I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 25. This is the passage we're going to be in as we are kind of walking through this statement that we started last week and started actually two weeks ago on Easter on how to go from surviving to thriving. How to move just beyond like existing, like just getting by, to actually living life the way that God intended for us to live. Of experiencing life the way that God wants us to experience life. Now you know last week we were in John chapter 10 and we talked about the good shepherd. We talked about God, how he is our provision, how Jesus, when he was teaching about the good shepherd, that he's the one that protects us, that guides us, leads us where we need to go and, and takes care of us as we're in that journey. We use the illustration of the, uh, of the sheepfold that is there, that, that, that Jesus is the door, that, that John 14, when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. We talked about the amazing truth and the amazing power that is found in the door that is Jesus. Well, today we're going to continue because last week we landed with John 10.10. 10. You know that verse, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. In other words, that Jesus came to give us life over the top. And I love reading it that way. I love saying it that way. Jesus came so that we could live a life that we never could have lived on our own. That we never could have experienced without him. And listen, I'm telling you, the world's tried over and over and over again. The world has tried to get to the place where they have lived life apart from God. And the one thing that I've seen a thousand times, and you have as well, is there is no way to experience life that God intends without Jesus being the center. That's why we together sang that song this morning, Jesus, only Jesus. It's all about him. And so today we're going to launch out of John chapter 10, talking about that abundant life that Jesus came to give, that life that's over the top that Jesus wants us to have. And so I want to read this passage today because when we talk about this idea of what Jesus wants for us, about how he wants us to experience his best every single day of our lives, it has to flow from an understanding from God's word. So Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 24. It says this, And the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crop, crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, these few verses that we read today, of course, are coming from Jesus' teaching on the Mount of Olives. He was sitting there with his disciples and he was sharing with them uh, through parables the, the importance of the kingdom of God. And so he was talking with him, and this specific statement that we just read was kind of the, the tail end, if you will, of the, of the parable of the talents that we've heard so many times before, where a master was getting ready to go on a trip. He was leaving, going out of town for a long time. And, and before he left, you remember that he left those who were behind, uh, those people who served him, he left them with his belongings. He left them with talents, with silver. And so he left with one, five talents. He left with one, two talents. And one, he left with one. And while the master was gone, when he returned, the one who had five had, had taken it and invested and used it, and he had actually grown it to now he was able to give back to the master ten talents. 
The one who had two, he had done the exact same thing, and he had earned and doubled hit, it doubled those two, and so now had four to give back to, to his master. But the one that we just read about did nothing. It says that he hid it, he, he hid it away because he was worried, he was afraid, because he didn't want to lose it, he didn't want to be found, uh, you know, incompetent, he didn't want to be found unfaithful, so he hid it away, he held on to it, he held it tightly thinking that when the master returned that he'd be able to hand it to him and say, man, look what I did. I protected this gift that you gave to me. And yet what the master said is, you wicked and lazy servant, how dare you? How dare you not at least invest it? How dare you not actually use it to do something? And the lesson that we learn from that, the one that we can take away from that is this, is that we must learn that if we're going to thrive in life, it does not come from holding on to what God has given to us. It comes from being able to give, to use what God has given to us to change the world, to make a difference for the kingdom. And so today, I want to take this passage just briefly today and and use it as a, a lesson for us on this Serve Sunday as we have talked about and, and honoring and celebrating well over a thousand, more than a thousand, that have served every single week in this church to make a difference in this community, of, of making sure that we understand it's not just something to do. It's actually using what God has given to make this world a better place through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how do we thrive? We talked about last week that if we're going to thrive, we have to get to the place where we understand God's purpose that we understand what His purpose for our lives are, Uh, we understand what His will is, how we can get to the place where we know exactly what it is that God wants us to do. Because make no mistake, when you find God's will for your life, when you find that thing that God wants you to do, it's the only place you cannot fail. And it doesn't matter what God's called you to, if He's called you to business, if you are running after that which God has called you to do, that is God's will for your life. You can't fail. If God's called you to be an educator, a teacher, my daughter Jessica is graduating from, from college this weekend. It's really weird that I'm going to have two college graduates in my family. Sherry's getting old. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> Don't tell her. I think I'm not, she, she's here somewhere, but we'll, we'll keep it a secret that I said that. Um, she's graduating with an education degree. She's going to be this fall teaching somewhere in one of the local schools. And, and, and you know, God's called you to be an educator. She has no doubt about that. She knows God's called her to be a teacher. Listen, if you are running after that which God has called you to do, you cannot fail. And I don't know about you, but that's an encouraging place to be. When you truly understand what God's call is, when you understand what God's will is, to be in that place, to be in that calling, to be smack dab in the middle of the purpose that God has put you on this earth for, man, what a great place to be. To thrive, you got to find it. But I've got to be honest with you, to find it, you also have to be willing to serve. You've got to be willing to give. You've got to be willing to do that which God has called us to do. So, how do we thrive? Well, we see from this passage that we recognize this abundant life, thriving in life. Abundant life always is found in service. Do not mistake what I'm telling you. Abundant life is never found in selfishness. It is never found in self-centeredness. It is never found in trying to figure out how I can get what I want and hold on tight. It is always found in what you do for the kingdom of God. Look what it says in this passage, verses 25 and 26. So that slave, the servant said, I hid this in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and you lazy servant. Here's why that servant took that money and hid it away, held on to it, held it tight. 
It really was not about trying to make sure that he could give it back to the master. Here's why he did it. Because it was all about him. He wasn't worried about anyone else. He wasn't worried about helping anyone else. He wasn't worried about what impact or what difference it could make. It was all about him. He was inwardly focused because he was more worried about his reputation, more worried about what he would be able to accomplish to be able to prove to his master how great he was than he was in being a faithful servant. And I think that can be said of a lot of us sometimes. That we act in fear, that we, we worry about our reputation, we worry about being laughed at, we worry about, worry about being made fun of, we worry about failure. And as a result, we don't actually use the gifts, the talents that God has placed into us to make a difference, to make an impact, because we're worried about what we might be able to do. And so what was the response from the master? You wicked and you lazy servant, how dare you? Now, clearly, when we read this passage, Jesus is trying to teach us something. He's trying to teach us here that that we have to take what we have been given, what our master has placed into our hands, and we have to use it faithfully. We have to be found faithful. In fact, when you go back and read before the verses we read today, for each time of that servant who had, you know, doubled doubled the the talents, doubled the silver, five and, and two, both times, well done, good and faithful servant. Every time that we talk about our lives, we talk about getting to the end of our lives, we always reference, man, I want to be, get to the place where God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Man, I want to live my life. So I'll hear that statement, well done. You will not hear the statement, well done, if you are hanging on tightly to what God has equipped you with. Every single person in this room has been given a unique gift, unique talent to do something for God. I could walk around this room. I could start right over here in this corner. Oh, this would be a great place to stay over here because I know this sweet dear sister over here. Man, she's been blessed big time. I could start over here and I could run through every person in this room and every one of you, I promise you, God has given you a gift. And I could walk up to you and we could talk about it. And I promise you, if you were faithful in, in, in hearing from God and walking with God, listen, all of us have been given something to use for God. And unfortunately, today's church, so many people have been uniquely gifted, uniquely qualified, uniquely talented to do something big for God. And you know what we end up doing? We end up doing what this one servant has done. Man, we hold on tight to it because we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of someone laughing. We're afraid of being made fun of. We're afraid of not being, you know, living up to, you know, the measure of someone else because we're worried about our own reputation. We're worried about us. And so what's Jesus' response to that? You wicked and you lazy servant. Man, why don't you do something with what God has given you? Why are you trying to make an impact with what God has placed in you? That's why we honor all these people you see walking around with T-shirts. That's why we're giving away donuts and cookies and, and popcorn and all that kind of stuff over in Bruner Hall. It's not just a party to celebrate. Let me tell you what it is. It is to rejoice in the fact that the people who are serving in this church have people who have found what it is that God wants them to do, who have found that unique talent, that gift, that quality that God has put into them, and they are using it for the kingdom of God. Question, what about you? Because the abundant life, thriving in life, always, always is found in serving. Listen, always and that word always is always used flippantly, right? It's always like thrown out, like it's really, you know, it could be true or it could not. I'm telling you here, 
It is absolutely true. Hear my words. You will never live the abundant life that God has for you if you are not a Christ follower who is serving. Whatever that looks like for you. So abundant life is always found in serving. But we also recognize this. Jesus himself said it in Matthew chapter 20. But among you, he said, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let me just tell you something. For all of you who are worried about serving, worried about failure, worried about what people might think, not quite sure you're good enough, not quite sure you're talented enough, let me just tell you something. If the Son of God told us through his word, I didn't come here to be served, I came to serve. Let me just tell you, if Jesus said it, I can guarantee you, we better be doing it. If that's why Jesus came, if that's why he walked on this earth, to serve God himself, man, we better, be make, we better make sure we're doing at least as much as Jesus did trying to serve. Jesus gave us that example. The abundant life always comes through serving. And as a result of that, through that serving, what we find is this. Service always results in blessing. Let me just, again, this is an easy quiz. I love giving easy quizzes. When I was in school, I hated hard quizzes. I always loved it when the teacher asked like a dumb question. Like, what is two plus two? You know, that kind of stuff. So here's an easy quiz for all of you today. How many of you want to walk through life being blessed? Raise your hand. I mean, every one of us, right? If you didn't raise your hand, that just means you're asleep. That's all. No big deal. We all want the blessed life, right? We all want to be blessed in life. We want to experience it. We get told by all of us, hey, have a blessed day. I mean, we want a blessed day, right? Service always results in a blessed life. It always results in a blessed life. Look what it says in verses 28 and 29. Then he, the master ordered, take the money from this servant, the one who is wicked and lazy and didn't do anything, and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. There's that word again, abundance, that we talked about from John 10.10. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, I want to read those last two verses to you again one more time. I want you to hear just the last verse, clearly, so you understand what I'm about to say, right? Okay, here's what it says. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, that's God's word. That's not my word. That's not the word from some prosperity teacher telling you, man, if you'll just give, God's going to you know, blow you away with what he gives back. No, no, no. This is God's word. And God's word says this, when you are faithful to use what God has given you to serve and to do and to make a difference in the kingdom of God, to use it liberally, then more will be given to you. But if you are stingy and not willing to do with what God has given you, your talents, your abilities, if you are not serving, then even what you do have will be taken away. Listen, this is how we lose the joy of our salvation. Now, I want to make this very clear. You will not lose your salvation. Once you come to the place where you believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died and that he rose again, and you've come to that real, honest, and authentic relationship with Christ, I have trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior, nothing can take you away from that. The Bible very clearly tells us nothing can take us out of the hand of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I believe once saved, always saved. Carl, do you agree with me on that? Once saved, always saved. 
But I, will, I do believe this. I do believe there are many Christians today that while they are secure in their salvation, they are miserable in their Christian walk because they've lost the joy of their salvation. How do they lose it? Let me read it one more time. But, it says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance or an excess over-the-top life. But from those who do nothing, even, even what little they have will be taken away. So do you get the story here? Do you get the picture here? Is service important to thriving in life? Absolutely. Is service important in experiencing the abundant life that Jesus came to give? You can take it to the bank. The only way to thrive in life is to serve in life. The only way to make a life that blows your mind how awesome it is, is to be the kind of person that is serving and working in the kingdom of God. Now that working, that serving in the kingdom of God takes on a million different views. And whether it's through serving in, in the nursery or whether it's serving on the mission field or whether it's serving, uh, helping people in a soup kitchen or whether it's going out in your neighborhood and ministering to your neighbors. We have neighborhood connectors here at Thomas Road. We, we love, we've, we've broken our community down into 500 different neighborhoods around our community. And of those 500 different neighborhoods, we have right now about 400 and some uh, individuals that are serving as neighborhood connectors, which just means this. Like they are taking ownership of their neighborhoods. They want to love the people, serve the people in their neighborhoods. They want to be the representatives of the gospel in their neighborhood. And we're covering about 250 or so of those neighborhoods. My goal before this year is over, that we will have someone from Thomas Road, a couple, a family, an individual in every single neighborhood in our city, in our region, the four counties that, that come in and, and gather into Lynchburg, and that we will have someone representing as a neighborhood connector, basically this, being the representatives of the gospel from Thomas Road in every single neighborhood. That's my goal. That's my, that's my vision for the, end, for the end of the year. That's what I want to see happen. And what that means is, before long, you're probably going to be hearing from me asking you to do something like that. And you're going to be hearing testimonies of those who are actually serving right now, 400 plus, making a massive difference. Why? Here's why. Because to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what they have will be taken away. It's a powerful statement of the value of serving. S.K. Weber said this in his commentary on the book of Matthew, and I want you to hear these words. Every Christian is entrusted with some responsibility for the kingdom. Some will take this seriously and invest their lives wisely, and others will squander this responsibility. The part of the kingdom entrusted to each of us is precious to the Lord. He is hurt by the mishandling of a lifetime of opportunity, but he rejoices over a lifetime well spent. He has placed in our hands what is his own. This is a sobering thought to be stewards of the kingdom resources. Think about those words. That God has placed in our hands what is His. The God of the universe has come down and He has walked up to us. And here's what He's done. He's come up and He said, open your hands here. Put both hands here. Here. God's speaking to you. This is mine. Use it wisely. Reach people with the gospel. Impact the kingdom. God has done that for every single one of us. He has given to us what is His. And make no mistake, it breaks His heart 
when he can't find us faithful. You want to thrive in life? You want to experience the abundant life that John 10, 10 talks about? You want life that is over the top? Here's what I'll tell you. It has nothing to do with how much money you have in the bank. It has nothing to do with where you live or what car you drive. It has nothing to do with what job you have, what status you have. It has nothing to do with what watch you have or how many followers on Twitter that you have. It has nothing to do with how many people are friends, quote unquote, with you on Facebook. It has nothing to do with any of that. Here's what matters. Are you using what God has given to you for the kingdom of God? And as that statement that we just read tells us, when God finds us faithful there, it puts a smile on the face of God. Joy to his heart when he can walk up to you and say, well done. My prayer for every single person in this room and every person watching this right now is this. We will hear, well done. That we will hear that statement that we have done our best using what God has given to us to change the world. Because I can tell you, Facebook and Twitter and status and money and cars and wealth and power and fame and jobs and degrees, all of those things that the world say are so important. Here's what I know. Not one of those things has ever helped someone enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not one of those things has ever ushered someone from the grave right into the presence of God. Not one. But I'm going to tell you something. I can tell you the stories of thousands and thousands of people who have faithfully used what God has given to them, who've shared the gospel with one individual, and that one individual has believed that Jesus is God's son, that he died and that he rose again. And today they are in the presence of heaven because one person just simply said, hey, I'll do what God has asked me to do. How about you? Father, today we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it challenges us because as I said often, we need to be challenged because we get so lazy. We, we get so comfortable. We get to the place where we feel like we're doing enough. And God, I just pray that you would help all of us in this room to never get to that place. God, that we would get over ourselves and get to the realization that you have called us and equipped us and challenged us to do great work for you. And so God, help us to be the people who are faithful. Help us to be the ones who do a job well done. And God, I pray right now, if there's someone here Lord, has heard this, this amazing truth that comes from your word about what you have done and what you've given and the gift of your son. God, I pray that today, if they do not know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, let this be the day. Let this be the moment they come into that realization of who you are and what you've done. And God, we give you the praise up front in advance for what you're going to do. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, our team is gathering here at the front. In a moment, we're going to sing together. An old song. It's an oldie but a goodie. <laughs> All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence daily live. When we sing those words together, I am challenging you. Don't let those be words that you're singing because they're familiar. Don't let them be words that you sing because they're on the screen. Don't let them be words that you sing just because everybody else is singing them. Let it be true words that roll off your lips today. Yes, I surrender it all to him.
In a moment, we're going to stand and sing. And when we do, our team is here. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, our team is here. And I'm going to tell you, we would love to share with you who Jesus is. It would make our day. But what's even cooler is it'll make your eternity. We'd love to share with you who Jesus is. So I invite you in a moment when we stand to step out to come down and talk with one of our team members. If you're here today and you kind of just need to come and kneel here and pray, maybe rededication, maybe commitment, maybe you're praying for someone else, maybe leaving a prayer request. We have prayer request cards all along the front of this, this, uh, this stage. If you're coming to join our church, you're coming for following in baptism, whatever God is speaking to your heart, listen, all to Jesus I surrender. I'm not worried about what people think. I'm not worried about this person that I'm going to have to ask, hey, excuse me, would you let me out of the row? I need to go forward. I'm not worried about that stuff. Why? Because all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. So right now as we stand and as we sing, I encourage you, let God lead you to make a move. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of, of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this, God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth, to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the son of God. We must believe that he died and that he rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope to let the world know God loves. Thank you.